Hey everybody, welcome to The Way Podcast. Thank you for joining me. And uh, today we're going to be going through Mark chapter 8. I'm Ben LaGrange, I'm pastor of St. Mark's United Methodist in, in Comanche. And today I'm joined with Drew Spido. Hey guys, I'm back. I recorded the first one of these and I guess I was good enough to come back again. So Yeah, yeah. Well, he didn't behave so badly that we wouldn't let him. <laughs> well, on this particular thing. Well, how, how big of a ruckus do I have got to make in order never to be invited back? Let's try not to find out. Right, let's not find that line. Let's get mildly raucous, but not too bad. Okay. Okay. So today we're going to be reading through Mark chapter 8. I'm going to go ahead and read the first story, Drew, and uh, we'll just sit and talk about it afterwards for a minute. Let's do it. During those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people, and they've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them home hungry, they'll collapse on the way. Because some of them have come a long distance. And his disciples answered, Where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. And he told the crowd to sit on the ground. And when he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before people. And they did so. They had a few small fish as well, and he gave thanks for them and told the disciples to distribute them. And he ate, and they were satisfied. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven full baskets of broken pieces that were left over, and about 4,000 men were present. That also means there was a whole bunch of women and children with them, too. Exactly. And they uh, they had sent them away, and he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the region of, I'm just going to say it with confidence. Dementia. I can't say it. Right, well. (laughs) Dalmantha. Dementua. Dalmantua. Yeah, well, we'll just... All Whatever. I'm doing is picturing a dog with a lot of a white dog with a lot of black spots all over it. Unfortunately, the same thing. Yeah, there's not 101 of them, luckily, but you know. Well, maybe 101 spots, just not. A, yeah, yeah. I, I was talking about literal Dalmatians. Right, but that'd be copyright infringement, so we got to stay away from no copy copyright 2017. Right, uh, 101 Dalmatians is is uh, owned and re- retained by the Dis- Disney Corporation, and, and uh, no legal whatever. You this it. is simply a joke. <laughs> so. We've we've had this story so many times, so many times. Yeah. Jesus feeds people, right? Dude, and this is the second time he does it in Mark. Like, right. you think the disciples would be like, "Can't you just multiply the bread again?" Right, right. So you're going. If we go back to Mark chapter six, and if you if you followed through on this podcast, and you've listened to each one of them. You're like, "We've already done this." And you know what? Jesus is probably thinking the same thing about the disciples. Didn't we already do that? How many loaves do you have? Go and see. He said, "We have five and two fish." Now, come on now. This time, they didn't have five and two fish, right? They had seven loaves, and they're still worried about it. Now, here's the thing. If you've seen it once, you can see it again, right? Totally. Totally, right? I mean, it, it just stands to reason this would be the first thing that would run through their minds, but they, they still don't get it. Yeah, it's like, dude, we don't have enough food. How are we going to do this? Right. So it's, it's weird how quickly we forget like after something amazing happens, after something miraculous happens, we're like, well, you know. I think it's Dalmanutha, by the way. Dalmanutha? Dalmanutha, okay. yeah. Dalmanutha, I like it. Yeah, just say it with confidence, people won't question you. Anyway, back. I'm going to get a Dalmatian and make it Dalmanutha. All right, back on, to- <laughs> back on topic, though. Squirrel. So, anyways, when we're looking at this, what, what do you see? What it strikes you here? You mean besi- besides him feeding... All these people with seven loaves of bread. Right. Right. 
Like, well, I mean, he's Jesus has compassion on the people who are gathered co- coming to hear him, and it's like these people came from a long ways away. I, I want to at least care for him, and he's doing his usual thing where Jesus like does a miracle, provides for a need, and then is then turns into a teaching thing, which we'll see later when the Pharisees start arguing with him in the next verses. But yeah, absolutely. You know the the thing that gets me here is because this is this is uh, not even commented upon by, you know, there's no mention of the people that were in the crowd. Yeah, it's just. But over and over again, I've heard preachers go off on this and tell a story of a little boy who said, well, I got, like, five loaves and two fishes. Like, like everybody ate everything, and there's going to be one guy with a, with a you know, grocery bag full of stuff. You know, they always tell that just as this kind of sentimental story to get well, your emotions. Well, yeah, but there is one version of the story where, like, uh, it's, Peter and, it's Peter and Andrew are like, hey, this is one kid has, has some food. Right. But it's not in this yeah, it's not in this section. I think right. it's, in, it's, it's in John, right? No, it's not in John. It's, uh, yeah, that would be in Luke, I think. I think it's in Luke, yeah. Right, which is the more detailed story, but everybody uses that particular one. I think everybody, I think that's the more common one to teach from when Jesus is feeding people in this way. Yeah, because who doesn't want to be fed, feed an entire crowd with a Long John Silver's value meal? Exactly, and, and here you're looking at you know, this kid's got five hush puppies and two fish, right? And yeah. Yeah, so it, it gets strange where, why are we more prone to give the emotional version of the story? When when there's something quite clearly going on here, that uh, when we look at Mark, and he's he tends to be more direct and to the point when he's writing, he's like, okay, hurry up, and then immediately this, and immediately that, and then they went to blah, blah. It's just kind of the way he writes. But... You would think, you know, it's maybe it's a more Western style of storytelling that we want to have the little kid in there, you know, where like the, you know, we can tell like the rough guy in the story that you're supposed to like in the movie because he does the quote unquote save the cat, you know, saves the, the little guy that would be out on his own or yeah, the he, puppy. He, he or doesn't the John Wick shoot the dog. He doesn't John Wick, no. <laughs> Which I love that movie, by the way, and I know I probably shouldn't, but I do. Anyway. <laughs> So when you start looking at it, there, there's a reason we jump to that one because it's more emotionally charged, I think, you know. But everybody gives this great storytelling piece about it that goes alongside of it. When this is really not about the boy, it's about Jesus exactly. and how we should actually be leaning and trusting on him. You know, with these two stories, the things that I like about it because it doesn't rely on other carrier pieces, you know. And granted, that boy's in the Bible, right? But. When we're looking at these two spots, these are the ones that I typically think of. It's uh, they fed five thousand, then they feed four thousand on the other side of the lake, right? That's take that Elijah feeding your hundred, right? Right. <laughs> so it's kind of a crazy deal that when we start looking at this, we should just be relying on God. And you're like, hey, uh, you know, to be fair, if uh, Jesus gave me some cookies, and I was wanting cookies, he's like, okay, poof, there's some cookies. Thanks, I'd, Jesus. You're I'd awesome. be like, thank you, Jesus. And every once in a while, I'd be like, hey, remember that one time you make cookies out of nothing? Why don't you make some more cookies? That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. But the problem is, they don't even see it that way. They're like, well, that was a thing that happened one time. That ain't never going to repeat, right? But there's so many things we look at when we look at God's faithfulness and his grace. And we're like, well, that ain't never going to happen again. And we do this over and over. It's a repetition that we have. And I don't know if it's a matter of faith or just a matter of... You know, we had that conversation off off the line, off uh, off microphone. We were talking a little while ago that the human mind is registered more towards pain. It'll recognize pain over 
you know, standard comfort any day. Right. So it's it's one of those things you walk through billions of door frames in your life, but you remember the five times you stubbed your toe bad enough that you wanted to cry, right? Well, and say some other choice words. Exactly. Well, you know, who doesn't? Well, yeah, because those use the same part of the brain. Yeah. Swearing is uses the pain part of the brain just the way pain reception works. Exactly. Well, you know. Anyway. Although now I'm trying to picture Mother Teresa stubbing her toe, and it's it's not coming through in the same way. I think she would have blessed the doorway. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> we just went there. So you want to really read the uh, second section between verse 11 and 21, please? Yeah, sure. Um, Thanks, sure. <clears throat> the Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. I'm out. <laughs> well, actually, yeah, let's just rest on that for a second. So he sighed deeply and said, oh, muffin, don't you get it? <laughs> it's like, seriously, I haven't been doing enough signs. You, you really want, like, one? It ain't going to make a difference. You guys don't believe me. You know, there's a great Rowan Atkinson bit where uh, it, it's terrible. It's heresy. I, I know I know it's terrible. It's like, yeah, I've seen that one. He's like, oh, and and they all want Jesus to do party tricks. And they're like, your party tricks is as great as your one-liners, he says. You know, and, and this is one of those moments. This is one of those moments. And that, that's basic, although it's a running gag for, for the Rowan Atkinson thing. It is honestly what people thought of him. They're like, hey, what if I just break my nose? Can you just snap it back together? Would you do that? I mean, he could, sure, but would he? I don't know. Yeah, and, and they just want to see cool stuff. And over and over, they just get stuck on that particular thing when, although it's it's he's here for the here and now, but he's also here for eternity. So what you're saying is they have Jesus, but they wanted David Blaine. Yeah, they. I think they were just nearsighted. Fair nearsighted enough. on the whole thing. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Exactly on both. You right. want to read through 14 through 21 then? Yeah. Now they had uh, had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out. Beware the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another about the fact that they had no bread. <laughs> and, they be- and they began discussing with one Okay, sorry, yeah. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Have Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many baskets full of pieces did you take up? They said to him, 12. And the seven, and the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? You know, uh, you know. Dude, that- guys, you're just not getting it. He's not talking about actual bread. And yet you guys are like, oh, apparently we don't have bread. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of that moment in Despicable Me where, where Guru is standing there and he goes, light bulb. <laughs> and I'm thinking, like, come on, do you not get it? Like, come on. We're, Dude's a light bulb. Light bulbs are awesome. Right. So he's like, I did it once. I did it twice. And, and this is really what you're worried about. Come on. Right? So if I did that with seven, what are you going to do? I've got enough to feed 12. We're fine. Right? <laughs> So they just and I think they remember their facts wrong because didn't, didn't they get twelve baskets off of the five thousand? I think is what it says earlier, but I don't know. Yeah, well, uh, in the moment. Anyway, yeah, yeah, they took up twelve baskets full of broken. Yeah, so but anyway, so hey, whatever. 
Yeah, and when I broke the five lows for the 5,000, how many baskets did you have? 12. And then when I broke up the oh, seven lows yeah. for the 4,000, how many baskets did you have? Seven. Oh, right, right. right. I, I read that wrong. Yeah. I'm, I, my bad. He's like, okay, we did it one time. Dude. You didn't believe, but I did it a second time. When are you going to get it? Do you, think I'm not, do you think I'm still talking about bread? I'm right. not talking about bread here. Exactly. So there's, there's something that can be done there. And it's, there's a lot to be said about Jesus' providence as our provider for the basic needs, let alone extensive things. And, and you know, there's so much only that we can do right. in the physical world. But Jesus has access that we don't have. And it's, there's something to be said for that. I, I remember... I get that, yeah. Uh, I remember when I was younger, uh, I lived in, in a place that was like run down, run, run down, bad. And it was really terrible. I mean, there were more bugs in my apartment than there were people in the city, I was sure. And it was just a crazy situation. And some things... I, I'd go and see my friends because none of them would come see me there, you know? Obviously, I mean... And, and they had things that I just couldn't conceive of, you know? You got cable TV. I got the lady singing through the paper-thin walls over here. and the, she just That was back when the uh, bodyguards came out, and all I could hear was her blaring at the, the top of her stereo and singing at the top of her lungs. The, the bodyguard soundtrack it was terrible. <laughs> so, I mean, that was the entertainment that I oh, had. Oh, boy. I don't like, I didn't understand. I was like, why does everybody have this access that I don't, you know? And I thought, okay, well, they've clearly got something that I don't. Maybe I can just go spend time at their house and then I won't have to spend time at my terrible place, right? But we don't even look at Jesus in that way. He has access to every single thing. Because and, he's God. And being close, yeah. being closer to him, you receive those benefits. You get to see those things. Now, mm-hmm. you don't get to pick and choose on demand. You know, I didn't go over to my friend's house and say, switch it to channel 27. I want to see what's over on, on AMC. And, you know, I didn't switch to, you know, this news yeah. channel or that. Yeah, of course. But it, it was better to, to watch reruns of Gilligan's Island than it was to sit and listen to someone off key and behind a few bars on I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston, right? And I'm not. I'm tempted to start singing that right now, but I'm not going to. Do not. <laughs> we will get kicked out of the library. I promise you. <laughs> okay. So it's it's a strange thing that, but you know, it's one of those pieces where the closer we get to God, the more we get the benefits. You know, and that's really what it comes down to. It's not about works righteousness. It's about being in the presence of God. And I don't really strain and strive for like like what can I do to make God happy. Uh, and I don't do that for people either. Right, because that would be folly. Right. Both are, are the wrong thing. However, when I just stand in the presence of God and I, I can feel him, you know, directing me, overwhelming me, I feel that love where I want to love other people. And that's only done by doing things for them, you know. And that that's a different perspective on the same thing. It's just amazing how that works out. But they didn't understand that they were in the presence of God and could have received those things. They sat and worried anyways. Yeah, and well, let's go back to what he was actually telling them. He says, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. What does he actually mean by that? Yeah, that's... I mean, because leaven is something you... It's basically it's yeast. It's yeast, right? And you put that into bread and make it rise or yeah. also make beer. Yeah. Right, and they make they make big things out of little stuff. Yeah. Essentially, you... And little stuff out of big things, to be honest. Well, pretty much, yeah. Because yeast will break down some sugars, give off gas, and that's what makes bread rice. 
Right. And it smells great. And it smells good, yes. Love the smell of fresh bread. But what's the idea here about leaven? Yeah. And we actually go back to this because, you know, even a step before, the Pharisees came and began to question him. And they asked him for a sign from heaven. They're like, show us something big, right? I'm just looking at all this flat dough. Make something big happen, right? They wanted this big, miraculous growth to happen. They're like, ooh. Pretty, right? Fireworks. And some of them probably wanted to be free of Rome, too. Let's be honest here. And and yeah, those things are out there. So if you can feed us, then we can afford to do that, you know? You know, Rome couldn't go to war without Egypt because they needed the wheat, right? Exactly, yes. And here, they're like, well, if we got enough food, then maybe we can war against Rome, you know, get them kicked out. But there's, there's a lot to this. But when you start looking at it, when sometimes people get in this, um, Especially in religious leadership, there's this boastful attitude. Well, you know, one of the biggest questions that people have is like, well, okay, you're a pastor of a church. How many people? How many people do you have? They want to know, like, what is your attraction? What's your influence? How good are you at what you do, right? When I was 17, you go into the gym, what do they ask? How much you bench, right? Because that matters. Right. And, and I mean, everybody kind of wants to know that. But, you know, we get out into the real world after school. And people are like, oh, how much money do you have? What kind of car do you drive? You know? And then how many Twitter followers do you have? Do you have a Twitter? Do you have a Facebook? How many friends are on your Facebook? How many actual friends do you have? Everybody wants this big, 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 big thing. And, and it's all about making much of yourself, right? One little extra piece will actually make it go. And that's what they were looking for. And here in this situation, they're asking for... Puff your chest out, Jesus. Let's see what you can do. How much do you bench, right? How many loaves can you make out of this? How many fish can you make out of this, right? And that's kind of what they're getting to. And so that's where he's looking at wrong teaching, you know? That's what the yeast of the Pharisees is. It's a wrong teaching because right? a little bit of yeast, when you meet it in the dough, works its way through the entire thing, so. Right. So it's, it's very much like a proud rooster swelling up his chest and walking around, puffing out all of his feathers, they're like, okay. That's that's the kind of idea that you're talking about, the yeast of the Pharisees in yeah. this case. So avoid that. Yeah, and, and I mean, I've been in churches where, you know, well, we are so proud that we have, you know, we have gathered this much money for our capital campaign to, to buy something fancy and new for our church. So proud. And they will just swell up like those same old chickens, you know, everything but crowing, right? And I think this is nothing. This is a religious attitude that we're supposed to avoid. Instead, what we should be focused on is, like Francis Chan, he, uh, there's a story about him, and I don't know all the details, where they gathered enough money to, to build a roof for their, their church that they were building, and he instead gave it to, to build schools in Africa. And I'm like, yeah, that, that yeah. more. So, you know, are you worried about the capital campaign, about how fancy the, uh, the new stained glass windows are going to be or are you just keeping your head low and loving people in the right way and are you are you feeding people you know are you taking care of the actual needs and those are the cool things there uh the next story that we get to is actually jesus restoring sight to a blind man i love this story i love this story they came into best theater and some people brought a blind man and, uh, and begged jesus to touch him and he, sh- he took the blind man by the hand and led him outside of the village, and he had spit on the man's eyes. 
<laughs> and put his hands on him. And Jesus said, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. And I'm thinking Lord of the Rings. <laughs> or Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy, as it were. <laughs> I am Groot. I am Groot. And once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes, and then they were open. And his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And Jesus sent him, sent him home, saying, "Don't go into the village." So, wait. So Jesus pulls his dude aside and goes, spits, spits, spits in his face. Well, not in his face. Puts some spit on his eyes, and he's like, "Do you see?" And the guy's like, "No, I, I really don't see right now." <laughs> <laughs> I see something, but it's not what I'm supposed to be seeing. <laughs> right, and, and the Jesus is like, "Oh, okay. All right, now, now you've now you've got now you've got sight. But go home, but don't go into the village." Yeah, and see, to, my brother and I just talked about this on the the previous episode. It's it's a strange thing where Jesus goes up and heals a man who is deaf and mute. Sounded like what else can't work? I mean, the the thing was that. Jesus wait, so, spit on his finger. Wait, so deaf and mute, so he can't hear and he can't talk, so he has basically no way to interact with anything? Right. So Jesus spits on his fingers and spits on, you know, reaches into his mouth, and the next thing you know, he's he's talking and he can hear. He's like, don't tell anyone. Well, of course, you know, you're going to tell someone. That's, you're going to tell someone because you can talk now. Right, exactly. <laughs> so it, I have a note here in my Bible, and... Uh, it actually is a strange thing, but I know what exactly it means. Someday someone's going to inherit my Bible or the pieces that are left of it, and they're going to read through my notes and wonder, what is wrong with this guy? <laughs> but it actually says Velcro analogy right next to this. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Drew, you were absolutely right with the oh, no. Uh, you actually know where I'm going with this because we talked about it a while ago, didn't we? Yeah, but for their benefit. Yeah, for everybody's benefit. Basically, the, there's an analogy um, God gave me this vision, um, and I was I was thinking like everybody's kind of clogged up, and like everybody's that's got their hands full of something can't really reach out to Jesus. You know, they're too busy holding their own, and I think that's one of the things that the Pharisees have is they have too much. They're holding on to their ideas, and the processes, and what they think God should be doing. And for some reason, I had this vision of myself in sixth grade walking through Bluegrass, Iowa, a tiny little town, and I was walking through the ditches. And that year, I actually had my first pair of Velcro shoes. They were cool at the time, uh, believe it or not. Yeah, those things were cool at some point during everybody's childhood, just so you know. Yeah, absolutely. I don't even have to tie my shoes. Right, <laughs> right. But that was that was the thing when I was in sixth grade. It was cool, actually. Um, but I broke my Velcro. And the only way to break Velcro is... To clog it up. Pretty much, yeah. And it's actually part of two things is what makes up Velcro, hooks and loops. Now, the, the prickly side, that's the hooks. Yeah, and actually, your Velcro comes from uh, those annoying little, like, briars that get, get stuck to your skin and f- animals' fur and stuff. So yeah. that, that's, where, that's where we got the design for, for it from. Exactly. And the, the loops are actually the, the soft material side that's on the other option, um, the other part of it. Yeah. Now... The, the loop side doesn't really break. The, the thing that you can mess up, though, is the hooks when you fill it with all the wrong things. And that's actually what happened. Those, those same burrs and you know, grass and lint and other stuff got down in those hooks. And, and eventually, my Velcro stopped working. Yeah. Now, you, basically, you can fix it just by 
brushing that stuff out with a hard wire brush, which is kind of a harsh thing to have to do, but you, you rip all that stuff out and it can properly grab the hooks or the loops again. And I see this throughout this entirety of the text because when we're looking at this, these people had nothing. They had no food. Their hands were empty, reaching out to God. And then they were filled with the right thing, the, not just the food, but the relationship with God was actually what connected them. You know, the Pharisees, they had their own ideas and their minds full and their hands full. And it's not impossible for a rich man to get to heaven. It's just very, very hard. Because they're too busy holding on to their Maserati or whatever's in their bank account to to go out and reach for, for God. Well, the, fa- the Pharisees people. were a very strange animal because wouldn't they even tithe off their spice rack? I'll give you a tenth of my spices. Yeah, exactly. It's like, but you're neglecting the actual things that matter. Yeah, and it's, it's a very strange deal. But when we start looking at this, this process along the way, that empty hands, you know, not, I know not everybody can do this and not everybody's comfortable with it. You know, you got to be fair and reasonable that some people want to worship with their eyes closed and their heads down and their hands in their lap. But you've also got to be able to raise your hands to God, empty hands, right? And, and in those moments, you're saying, okay, fill me up, God. I'm reaching out to you. And that's really what we're looking at. So we look at these, these next few sections and we'll see this again. And I think this is a consistency we see throughout. Would you read verses 27 to 30, please? Yeah. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the village of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? Oh, sorry, who do people say that I am? And they told him, well, John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Christ. And he strictly charged them not to, uh, to tell anyone about him. Yeah. Interesting. Now, so, yeah, there's a lot in that little short chunk there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, you know, the... For, for, first of all, you've got Caesarea Philippi, which is a place where uh, the cult of Pan worshipped, right? Yep. Uh, Pan, Pan being a Greek god, demigod? Um, yeah, he would be what they call a fawn in... Oh, yeah. So it would be like goat from the waist down and human from the... Yeah. Oh, kind of like kind of like a satyr. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, like what you would see in uh, in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yeah, uh, Mr. Tumnus. Mr. Tumnus. Exactly. <laughs> that like that. Yeah. So I mean, they did uh, worship there, and even they even called it the Gates of Hell, I believe, at one point. At one at one point in another scripture, yes. Yeah. So when it comes down to it, pe- who do people say that I am? You know, <laughs> and there's always this this process of who it is because. John the Baptist did special things. Oh, yeah, totally he did. And they recognized that the two of them were similar, even though we know they were not the same, um, even of the same family line, right? So maybe they, they even looked relatively close. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah relatively well, close, well, I said. Well, well yeah, because they're, because they're cousins. <laughs> yes. Here in this podcast, we appreciate the good pun. Yes, we do. And the bad puns. <laughs> so as it stands... We, we, we look at that particular piece and people say, well, maybe that was him. You know, they thought there was some miraculous thing because John, well, he had been with the off with his head sort of thing already, right? Yeah, totally. So, and then there was also the rumor that Elijah would come first and set things right before, right? And Peter actually comes out and he's the first to say that you are the Christ. But what does that mean? Well, what does that mean? 
Well, the Christ is the Messiah or the anointed one yes. is really what it means. Uh, and if you want to know this whole Messiah thing, uh, you'll have to understand the Old Testament to yeah. some extent. And basically what they're looking is for a superhero to save him. Yeah, because uh, the Old Testament has different prophecies about a Messiah of this anointed one of God com- coming to save the people of Israel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they were like, well, what do we need to be saved from? Rome, obviously, they're in our back door, they're in our sandbox, right? But there's something more than that. And see, Peter sees the Christ. He's looking for the Savior. And no, Christ was not his last name. <laughs> no, but Christ is Greek, is Greek for the same. It's Yeah, it's a title. Yeah. Yeah, it's a title. It's the, the guy who's Christ, the Messiah. They're, they're, the same, they're the same. Same word. Same title, just translated differently. Yeah. But... He doesn't even recognize him as the son of God at that point. Yeah, he, he just knows that this, he's the Messiah, the one the one who was promised to yeah. come. But he doesn't recognize him as the son of God just yet. Yeah, everybody wants to hang out with Superman, and you know everybody wants to fly around and do all the particulars, right? Heck, Superman was actually based on some of the like Jewish prophecy stuff, anyway. So yeah, so I mean, as it stands, when you're looking at this particular um, section, he's not calling him God or son of God or part of the Trinity. He says, "You're going to save us." But there's, there's obviously a lot more to that, that than we know. So yeah. not, not even the ones closest to him recognize God for who he was. Yeah. It's also interesting that like after Peter can just comes out and says that, he's like, don't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody that. Well, did he tell them that because it wasn't entirely right? Or was maybe because they'd misconstrued it as what he did? It could be a lot of things, but... We actually look at this this last section of Scripture. You want to read 31 uh, through the end of the chapter, and then we'll talk about that a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. And, he's, and he said this plainly. You know, just said it plainly, dude. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, but turning... And seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on things of God, but on things of man. Sorry, I went to the library, but it's an exclamation point. It's a rebuke. Yeah. And in calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Mm-hmm. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when, it, when he comes into the glory of the Father with the holy angels. Yeah. So there's actually a couple of things within this particular piece we need to look at. Yeah. And First of all, rebukes are not just, you know, I'm talking sternly against you. It's... Yelling at it's, Yeah, it's, it's from yelling at. We actually Again, we're a, in a library, so I can't actually demonstrate the rebuke, although Ben does it much louder than I do. I do, I do. I do it on a quite operatic level. So, um, One of my teachers in seminary, she, uh, this tiny little lady, very unassuming. <laughs> this tiny soft-spoken she, lady. Yeah, very soft-spoken. She'd be like, and what, uh, what really happened there was, um, you see, that when, when Jesus said this, uh, it wasn't what he thought. Because when Peter was rebuking him, it's not like, no, no, Jesus, don't say that. She's like, no, you shut up, Jesus. This is not how it's going to happen. 
And then Jesus turned around and she just shouted and about knocked me out of my chair. She's like, no, you shut up, Peter. <laughs> and it was this crazy, loud Hulk Hogan sort of thing that came out of it. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's also interesting there is that you've got... Peter being like, yeah, you're Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the one promised to come. And then a few verses ahead of time, then Jesus goes and yeah. talks about how, he, you know, he, uh, the son of man, the Messiah, has to, you know, be rejected by everybody, beaten, killed, and will rise again the third day. And Peter goes and is like, no, that's not how that's going to happen. And he's like, get behind me, Satan. So you've got, yay, Peter, you you know, you know what's going on. And then, hey, right. Satan, shut up. Right. And then the other thing is that, when we get to this verse 35, it says, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for me and the gospel will save it. And this comes back to the Velcro principle that I was talking about. If you're busy holding on to the things that, oh, well, this is my comfort, this is what matters to me, these are the things that make me happy. If your hands are so full of that that you can't give out to somebody who's in actual need, or you can't reach out to God and recognize your actual needs, you will lose it. There's nothing you can do to retain it. But when you do this thing where you, you give freely, you give out of love, that makes the actual difference. And, and in fact, uh, we were just talking about uh, chapter 11 of the Ecclesiastes, right? Throw your bread upon the waters, right? If you give freely, imagine this, just on a purely social aspect, nothing to do with religion or your spiritual relationship with God. But if all you ever did was be generous to other people, now some of those investments you do for other people won't come back to you. But yeah, of course. I mean, but you don't know which ones will succeed and which ones will fail. So You don't. You don't. But other people will recognize that and invest in you because there's going to be a time when you need and can't provide for yourself. But they will do that for you. This is a, a key principle that we need to look at. You know, we need to look at what are the real things that matter and what are not. What is the, the physical world uh, matters to some extent. Of course. I mean, it, ha- it, it does matter to some extent. Yeah. Right. But the physical things don't matter as much as you might think. Or as much as we you know, place value on them. They, yeah. don't, like, they don't matter that much. What matters more than anything is the spiritual aspect, the actual spirit, the person, and caring for them. Uh, in fact, Jesus at one point says, "It's don't fear the one who can kill the body, but the one that can kill the soul, right? Well, yeah, and he, he kind of reflects that aspect here where he's like, uh, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but forfeit his soul and sell his soul? That's why you see these people who have, you know, sought after a bunch of, th- a bunch of things and get all this wealth and yet ultimately are just unsatisfied Yeah, because They've been chasing the wrong things. They have they have the whole world at fingertips. That money will buy everything, buy them whatever they want. But it but will not. But it can't it, 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 it can't get them what they need, and it can't buy can't buy me love. Right. And just in reference to the Beatles song there for a second. Right. And there's there's times that people will try to buy themselves out of a situation, and it happens over and over again. Well, you know, what if I did? You know, people like to make contracts with God, and and as as I remember, you know, the running gag when I was a kid. You know, it even made it onto the Muppet Show for one episode. Like, you don't make contracts with God. You make contracts with Satan, right? Pretty much, yeah. Right. With God, you actually get a covenant, which is not the same at all. Yeah, and also you got to be careful what you swear to God because, you know, there's this stuff in Scripture that says, you know, don't delay in fulfilling your vow to God. So, And, And this is an important thing I think we need to really look at because 
you know, as we continue on through this, this first eight chapters is really about who is this man? And that turning point that we just hit where Peter said in verse 29, that you are the Christ. This is the turning point where we switch directions up to the, the Mount of Transfiguration where we truly see who he is. Then we get to see not just who God is, but what God does because yes. he loves us so much. So we're going we're gonna to sign out here on, the, on chapter 8, and we'll catch you very soon with chapter 9, uh, with Jesus being transfigured on the mountain and, and the reactions around that, which are honestly quite comical. But I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, if you saw that, how would you react? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Clean up on aisle four, I think. So uh, You mean on aisle your shorts? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, uh, sponsored by Pampers today. <laughs> so, uh, anyway. And depends. And depends. We, we, aren't, we aren't choosy. Yeah, we aren't choosy. So... We're going to close out today. Uh, Drew, would you like to close us in prayer? Sure. (laughs) God, I want to thank you for uh, allowing us to sit here, read scripture, talk about it. Heck, even joke about it because I don't think people do that enough. But I just thank you for this opportunity. I pray for anyone in the audience that is hearing this for the the first time that – they uh, it be impactful for them that it, it lead them into a growing relationship with you. I pray that. Um, I just pray that, man. <laughs> yeah, Lord, we we just thank you for for this option. We thank you for the people that um, put these systems together that allows your name to be reached. Uh, for the, not that we would be recognized, but not that we would educate people, but we would bring revelation upon their lives that that you were there already waiting and talking and your grace goes before us lord so i thank you for all these wonderful things lord i'm just so grateful for your name yes Um, i'm grateful for the work you've done through your son jesus christ lord and um god i pray what we do here today is will impact somebody someone who needs to hear this because you work in such weird ways sometimes but it's awesome yeah god you we know that it's your ways are not our ways and yeah it does get strange out there lord but what I consider chaos is just a pattern I don't understand yet, Lord. So work in whatever way you need to to impact people today. Thank you in your holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Amen. and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.